Hey, Center Church family, good morning, Josh here. This weekend and next, we're going to be doing church just a little bit differently as we kind of navigate this crucial time in, you know, our city, in our world. And right now, the common theme that you probably see um, on social media, on news outlets, or even at your local Costco or Walmart is fear. And fear can be a real powerful thing. And in this time, I want to challenge you to be fearless. Uh, I want to challenge you to choose faith over fear or even choose faith over feeling because our feelings can, you know, they can change with the times at whatever's going on in the circumstances around us, but Jesus never changes. And fear, it can be either motivating or demotivating in our lives. And for some, it pushes them, you know, kind of past some certain experiences or it can actually crush them in those same experiences. And I love that the Word of God, it doesn't whitewash this reality when it comes to different, you know, people in the Bible who experience fear in the same way. But before we jump in, let me go ahead and let me pray for us this morning. God, thank you so much for this time. I pray for each and every person watching this video that you would allow them to choose faith over fear, to choose faith over feelings. I pray, Lord, that we would stand united as, as God's people. And in this crucial time in our nation, in our country, um, that we would be the light of Jesus where we live, where we work, and where we play. Um, God, we love you so much. Allow us to be fearless today in your name. Amen. Um, in Mark 4, the Bible actually describes a scary situation um, that the disciples of Christ went through. And it's the, uh, setting us up for this question that Jesus is about to ask them. And I know that we're in our series, God at the Edge of His Seat, and we're talking about the coffee table conversations that we have with God. And we're going to check this out in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. This is what it says. As evening came, Jesus said to His disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He was already in the boat, so they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically, they woke him, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we're going down? And when he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Quiet down. And suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm, and he asked them, Why are you so afraid? And there is the coffee table conversation that Jesus is asking you this morning. Why are you so afraid? I'm going to continue on. Do you not still uh, have faith in me? And they were filled with awe and said among themselves, Who is this man that even the wind and waves obey him? Why are you so afraid? I thought you had faith in me. I thought you believed in me. I thought we were kind of walking this thing out together of faith. Why are you so afraid? And God is actually asking the question of our foundation. He's asking the question of our foundation. The most important foundation in life is what we actually believe about God. It affects every area of our life, how you deal with your past, how you face your future, how you live your life even today. And what you believe about God, whether it's accurate or not, makes up the foundation of every person's life. And unfortunately, there's a bunch of things that can actually distort our view about God. Our background can distort our view of God. You know, the way that you were brought up, the, you know, significant influences in your life. Maybe there was a mom or dad in your home that either had faith or didn't have faith. And that distorts our view of God. Maybe media 
can attempt to dis- distort our view of God all the time. And you see it, sports figures or different people who they try to talk about God or maybe faith and that gets cut out or that gets distorted some way. And media can attempt to distort your view of God. Maybe it's painful experiences. Uh, uh, some, some of us, we, we've gone through some really hard times in our life. You know, why, why did this person hurt me? Somebody real close to you um, did something to you that really kind of messed your, 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 your mind up and your spirit. And you're like, God, why would you allow that to happen to me? Painful experiences. And sometimes it's our own insecurities. What people tell us. And that that can distort our view of God. Hey, you're not good enough. Hey, you're not worthy. You're never going to amount to a thing. And that starts to, dis- to kind of distort our view of God. Most significantly, our sin. Our sin can distort our view of God, our selfishness, our hardness of heart. And the result is that most people, they have kind of this inaccurate view of who God is and they don't really know what he's like. And some people think that God's kind of this impersonal force, you know, like Star Wars, may the force be with you type thing. Like they even usually think that, you know, God is, you know, Jesus is deity, but he's distant at best. He's not personal to us. Some people think that God is this um, judgmental parent that, that thinks, man, you're just un, un, unpleasable. They're unpleasable. You can never amount to what they want. There's a pressure there that we can never be good enough. And some people think of God as this cruel tyrant, as this dictator, that he's unrealistic and he's, he's even unfair. And people have this warped picture of who God actually is. He's uncaring or maybe he's disengaged, impersonal or unloving. And honestly, the disciples in this story, they're struggling with some of those same feelings. And don't you even know that we're going down? (laughs) Don't you even know that the waves are crashing? And uh, didn't you ever ask that question like I have many times? God, do you even care about what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing? Maybe you've asked some questions like that, like I have. Don't you even care that my mom's sick? Don't you even care that my dad's on hospice? God, don't you see that my child is lost? I've been trying to teach him about God and kind of raise them in this way. Don't you care that they're kind of going by the wayside? God, don't you even see that? Don't you even see that my business or my marriage, it's, it's falling apart. God, do you even care? And when life gets stormy, it's, easy to question, God, do you even care enough to help me? And disciples, they're right there with us. God, do you even care? And when you have this distorted view of who God is, you fall into, you know, one of two categories, one of two, you know, mistakes that I would even say. You deny him and you say, you know, I don't believe in God. Maybe you're in that category, man. Uh, sometimes we don't understand what God is really like, so we just deny him. Hey, I, wh- God, why did I go through these things? Or why am I experiencing so many bad things in my life? I don't believe that God actually exists. And you deny him. Or you fall into another group who they just kind of make up their own little God. Like, you know, I think God is like dot, dot, dot. And then you just kind of fill in the blank. I think God's a feeling, or I think God's an aura, or I think that he's just in nature. And, you know, I, I think God's just this big guy kind of sitting on a throne in heaven, and he's going to strike me when I do something wrong. And that's the view that I had of God for a really long time. And when I mess up, he just kind of judges me and he punishes me. 
may I respectfully submit to you that your opinion about God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's because you're guessing. And what actually matters is the truth. And I want us to look at what God actually says about himself. And I figure that he knows more about himself than we do. And if we really understood what God is like, we would love him. And we would actually trust in him. And this is the thing. God wants to show himself so that we can know who he actually is. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 18 and 19 says this. And may you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. If God does care about me and knows me, that is good news for you and me. But how do I know that that's true? How do I know that God actually cares about me? How can I trust God to be my foundation? And the answer is that God's proven his care for you repeatedly over and over and over in countless ways. And we can trust him as our foundation because here's number one, he cares enough to reveal himself. God actually cares enough to reveal himself. And God reveals himself to us, but, but what does that look like? Is it signs and wonders? Is it some weird kind of mystical voice from heaven? Is it the burned silhouette of Jesus' face toasted into my grilled cheese sandwich? No, it's through his creation. God actually reveals himself through his creation. And when we look at the world around us, man, we can learn so much about God. And for instance, we know that God is organized and he has set in place a, you know, a particular alignment of the planets and at the axis of the earth, it, it just tilts at, at a certain degree so that we don't freeze over or we don't burn up. And that he's actually set at the right distance, the sun, so that, you know, life is possible. And God reveals himself through his creation. Psalms 19 verse 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Look at the power of God on display in the sun, in the wind, in the stars, or even in the ocean waves. The power that's in a single atom, the Grand Canyon, Mount Everest, the northern lights. God took time and effort to reveal Himself to us by way of His creation. God reveals Himself through His creation. Here's another one. He reveals himself by his creativity. He reveals himself by his creativity. We know that God is creative, that God loves variety and he loves diversity. And he's created all different types of species and animals and plants and different smells and tastes. He's created you and me and we're all different shapes and sizes and colors. And we know that God is a very creative God. And we know that God loves beauty. When's the last time that you sat down and examined a sunset? Why did he create all those colors? You know, he could have just said, hey, let's just, you know, let's just keep black and gray. But no, he created all those colors. And God even created your eyes so that you can um, uh, be able to enjoy those colors as well. God created beauty. I know God made my wife. Hey, babe, you better be watching this right now. <laughs> you know, that like God has a sense of humor. Have you ever seen an orangutan or a naked mole rat? Have you ever met my dog Oliver? God has a sense of humor. 
the most important things we need to know about God, they're, they're actually not learned in nature. If we all knew about God, I mean, if, we all, if all we knew about God was limited to earth and the stars, we would have a very limited view of who God is. So God came up with another way to reveal himself so that we can know what he's like. God revealed himself through his creation. God revealed himself through his creativity, but also he revealed himself by sending his son. God revealed himself by sending his son. You know, 2,000 years ago, God came to earth in human form so that we could understand him and have relationship with him. He came as a man in the flesh in bodily form, and his name was Jesus Christ. Jesus came to reveal what God is really like. And we look at Christ and, you know, we, we, we get the picture of who God really is. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. God cares enough to reveal himself to me. God cares enough that he sent his son Jesus to die for me, to show me that he loves me, to show me that he cares for me. Not only does he reveal himself, but here's number two. He cares enough to rescue me. God cares enough to rescue you. Jesus came to reveal what God is really like. And when we look at Christ, we get the picture of who God really is. And, you know, that, that's what Jesus was doing in the back of the boat. Midstorm, he's speaking to the wind and waves. He's calming fears. Why are you so afraid? Don't you see that I'm the foundation? I don't move. I don't cower to storms. Darkness runs from a size like me. Rest on my solid foundation because I am the rescuing God. You may have not even realized how much you need a Savior, but you do. You needed somebody to rescue you. From what? <laughs> That's a question. From what? From the penalty of all your mistakes that you had coming. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, it says this, For Christ died to rescue them from the penalty of the sins they had committed. And we've all made mistakes. And God said, there is a penalty. There is a payment that needs to be made because of those wrongdoings, because of the times that we've dropped the ball. And God's justice demands that somebody pay for the wrongs that we have committed. And his love for us is so great that he paid our debt. He became my rescuer. But you know what? He became your rescuer as well. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says this, He too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who, who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. Human beings have this natural fear of death, don't we? Because we see it as this dead end. It's natural. Everybody kind of feels that. But when you give your life to Jesus, death is no longer a period in your life sentence. A relationship with Jesus ushers us into an eternity with God in heaven. Heaven's a perfect place. The Bible says that there's no suffering, there's no weeping, no crying. Only perfect people deserve to go there. And guess what? That counts me out. I make mistakes, I drop the ball, I fumble sometimes. And you know what? That actually counts you out too. We're all not perfect. And you say, man, I, I think I'm good enough to go to heaven. Or you ask the question, how good do you have to be 
to get into heaven. You have to be perfect because heaven is a perfect place. You don't stand a chance, but neither do I. And your ticket doesn't get you there, neither does mine. So God actually implemented a plan. He sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died for our sins as a pure, spotless, blameless son of God. And Jesus sits on the throne of heaven, but he did something amazing. He said that I could get in on his ticket. And not only me, but you can too. Not because my ticket was worth the price of admission, but because his was. He is our savior. He's our rescuer. He paid for your sin so that you can go to heaven. He paid your consequence so you don't have to go to hell. He's prepared an eternal home for you because he cares for us so much. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I just, I don't understand it. I just don't get it. I don't understand all the details. And you know what? You don't have to understand it all. You just need to grab hold of it. It's like, you know, somebody drowning and, you know, someone throws them a lifesaver. Nobody says, hey, will this hold me up? How, how did this get here? What type of material is this contraption made of? No, they don't ask those questions. If you're drowning, you just grab hold of it. You grab onto it. You don't have to understand it all. You grab onto it and say, you know what? I accept it. I want it. And he cares enough to rescue you. Here's the last one, and we're going to be done today. He cares enough to relate to me. God cares enough to relate to me. The Bible says that you were made to have a relationship with God. That you weren't there just to, you know, make money, retire, and die. You were put on this earth because God made you to love you. That's the most mind-blowing concept, that God will want to have a relationship with me. It's almost inconceivable, but it's true that you and I were made to have relationship with God. Every one of us has rejected that relationship in our own way. And we say, hey, you know, forget you, God. I want to go out my own way. And the relationship has been broken just like a bridge that's collapsed. But God didn't leave it there. He took the initiative to restore that relationship with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 says this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And the Bible's very clear that we come to God with all of our faults and sins and all of our mistakes. And when we do, he doesn't condemn us. He cares about us. He comforts us. He actually relates to us. And you might think that you're the number one doubter in this world, but God still wants to have relationship with you. You may think that you've committed the unpardonable sin, that you're beyond redemption, that, hey, I've made so many mistakes in my life, but guess what? God wants to have relationship with you. You may have done something that you're ashamed of, that you regret. I know exactly how that feels. God wants to have relationship with you. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. Guess what? There's nothing that you actually can do to make God love you any more because His love is based on who He is, not what you've done. Let me say that one more time. His love is based on who He is, not what we've done. And this new foundation for your life begins with a relationship with God. Sadly, the Bible says that a lot of people, they actually miss that. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 21, it says this, Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life, 
They don't know God. You can spend your, your life making millions. You can pursue fame or fortune or the accolades of men. You can seek your own purpose and pleasure. You're you know, amassing a treasure trove of beautiful things. But if you don't know God, you have missed the purpose of your life. You're building your life on crumbling foundation. No one can come to that kind of foundation through religion or not through ritual, not through rules, but only through relationship with Jesus. My prayer for you is, is kind of back where we started today in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. I'm going to close this with this. And may you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high His love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. I don't just want you to know it, he says. I want you to feel it, and I want you to experience it. And God is asking you that question today. Why are you so afraid? I love you. I'm throwing out the lifesaver for you. I want relationship with you. I'm revealing myself to you even today. Don't you see it? I'm here for you. Why don't you say yes to Jesus? Why don't you say yes to Jesus today? If that's you, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, if you want to say yes, so you're like, hey, Josh, I don't understand this whole Jesus thing or faith thing, but you talked about that lifesaver, and you know what? I just want to grab hold on to something that, that, that wants to save me, and you don't have to understand it all, but Jesus does. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for any, any one of my friends that want to say yes to you today. And I pray, Lord, that you would just impart something on their lives, that you would forgive them of their sins, that they would build a new foundation in you. If if that's you today, if you want to accept um, Jesus' payment for you, if you want to enter into a relationship with him, there at wherever you are, that might be a Starbucks, that might be in, in your living room today, I want you to repeat a prayer after me. And it's not the prayer that saves you. There's nothing magical or mystical about it. It's, it's what's happening inside your heart. And this is your lifesaver moment. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that you are the Son of God and you died for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm giving my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you said that prayer today, um, the Bible says that you have entered into a relationship with Jesus. Man, share this video with somebody. Man, comment on one of our posts, Instagram, Facebook, whatever platform that looks like. We want to pray for you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, We'll see you next week. Peace out.